Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And uh, today, we both caught up on cinema. Yes, we um, did. I proposed that we watch the film from uh, 2015, uh, Turbo Kid. Yes. Um, I had heard about this film around the time it was doing the, uh, the film festival circuit, and I kind of kept it in the back of my mind. Um, I have a really, really, really bad habit of picking out movies that look right up my alley and getting really amped for them and you know telling all my friends about them and then ending up being the last person to see them uh and this was a case of that happening because as i said this came out in 2015 and uh it was only just last night that i watched it um and i suggested this as as an episode because um i from what from what i know of uh, kyle's taste in cinema uh, this seemed like something he might enjoy uh, so kyle uh what did you think of Turbo Kid? Uh, it's a really, it's a unique film. I think it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's a Quebec film. It's a joint. <laughs> it looks like it was a joint production of New Zealand and Canada. It had three uh, directors yeah. on it. Uh, I think one of the directors was also a writer, and she was also in the movie. Um, she plays um, the main kids. I didn't catch names in this at all. Um, okay the young boy's mother at one point but uh yeah it's this came out a year before stranger things so this came out roughly when the first season of stranger things was probably being filmed because i can definitely see some similarities um from stranger things i know you haven't watched it it's on netflix but there's definitely an 80s vibe to this movie um oh yeah a very very hard 80s vibe um we're currently in a interesting era when it comes to media where uh there's 80s throwback stuff has kind of been a thing for the past decade but now it's like stronger than ever it seems and now we've gotten to the point where like there's almost like an entirely new subgenre of film where it's like 80s nostalgia films where the aesthetic is meant to be paying homage to that which came before but if you ask me uh, certain elements of it are something else entirely uh, because the, the, the score of this movie in particular, um, I think the genre of music is called synthwave. Mm. Uh, I only know that because I have a couple of friends who are really, really into it. Uh, when I listen to that music, it sounds like stuff from the 80s, but at the same time, I don't think it actually is authentic. I think it's something entirely new that's just kind of borrowing, I guess. Mm. And a lot of, a lot of this movie pays homage to like other other brands from the 80s and it's it's explicit at times uh but like you said it's very unique at the same time it has a it has a look and a feel that's very much its own it but at the same time it it feels familiar it feels foreign but you can't quite put your finger on it it's it's weird because it, it seems like most of the actors and actresses in this are american or um, surprisingly Canadian, uh, but you can just <laughs> tell by the production, like it feels like a different country. Um, I was going to say one of the movies that does the um, uh, the '80s throwback kind of um, throwback style really well is House of the Devil, uh, which mm. I think it was Ty. Is it Ty West? Is that his name? The horror director. Uh, I think it's his name. Um, it's really very neat. Familiar. The the only other Ty I know is Burrell. I think. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's not him. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's supposed to be shot like it's in the '80s. The the editing is supposed to feel like the '80s. The 
the clothes, the style. It's a really neat film, but anyway. But yeah, so Turbo Kid, this seems like a post-apocalyptic. This kind of is like Waterworld and Mad Max, a little bit of both, it feels like. Uh, again, it's a lot of elements to this, especially from an aesthetic standpoint, feel like a pastiche of things that have come before. But that actually plays into some of the themes of the storytelling. Um, but yeah, I, the very first shot of this movie opens with, I think, uh, a narration from someone who sounds uh, Aussie. Uh, mm. Again, lending credence to the, the whole Mad Max connection. Um, and I think it's explained that, yeah, it, the, there was an apocalypse of some sort. There's like acid rain. Like the world has gone to shit, essentially. And now everything's called the wasteland. Um, and I th- if I remember right, there's an on-screen title here that says in the year, the year of 1997. And I kind of got a kick out of that. I oh yeah, that was cute. Um, especially since um, it's it's my understanding, and you see this in like other forms of stories, like uh, the Fallout games and stuff, uh, and and the Mad Max movies for that matter. Um, I like this idea of like mainstream culture as we know it dying at a at a very specific point in time, mm-hmm. and then everything that comes after that uh, is like a a loose facsimile. Of, of how we understood things to have been before. Or like a like, relic. Um, yeah. Uh, and I really loved how they did that in this movie. Um, it reminded me of um, Mad Max Fury Road. How mm. a, lot of the, uh, a lot of the terminology in Mad Max, is per- in particular Fury Road, um, it's not quite correct. Like it's, it seems like somebody working with what they had and, and approximating the meaning of things like uh, for instance gasoline becomes like guzzoline mm-hmm. and and it, things like that I, I get a kick out of and and in turbo kid we have things like um everybody seems to be a hoarder in this world and everybody seems to be collecting relics from a, a bygone age that i guess was about 10 years ago <laughs> um i love the opening to this movie yeah, so did I. <laughs> we get like cool '80s production titles, like the titles, the songs, and then. Oh yeah, the song. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but the song is a uh, "Thunder in Your Heart." Uh, it's mm. from the movie Rad. Uh, it's like a BMX movie. Gotcha. Because uh, it was the '80s. Um, but the rendition of it is a remix. Um, the original, I think, was sung by John Farnham, and I know this because I I have a small collection of these particular types of songs. <laughs> And uh, this rendition of it is done by the legendary Stan Bush, uh, the master of the pump-up song. Um, and that, I was like, I was on board. Like, as soon as I heard him, I was like, fuck yes, I'm, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> um, so, first, the first thing we, one of the first things we see are heads on pikes. Now, I said that this movie was unique, and I think that it's unique in that I, it has a unique tone. Because yeah. it's not it it's kind of dark, but even when like there's there's dark comedies, but like even when it's dark, it's still not really dark. It almost it almost seems like a horror comedy. Like it, it more has the tone of like a horror comedy for me, um, where it's just a it's an eerie tone, but not scary. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, put put a pin in that. Okay. Because um, so like the first scene in this movie, uh, we're introduced to our main character. Uh, he, I think he doesn't even have a name. I think his name is just like the kid. Um, 
soon to be Turbo Kid. <laughs> it's the kid. Um, his name is the kid. Yeah, he he's a uh, he's riding around on his bike. He's scrounging around the wasteland, and uh, uh, one of my favorite props in the movie is his little notebook. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, he's he's collecting some shit, and uh, he pulls out a little a little notebook, and it's all drawn in crayon, mm-hmm. and he has a map that's like drawn in like cartoons and i was like that's that's adorable that's yeah, awesome it was neat because i mean if like i could totally see a kid doing that and this kid kind of reminds me of like calvin from calvin and Hobbes in some ways <laughs> like just yeah. without Hobbes. you you can tell like um, you talk to him for a little bit longer he's probably got a smart mouth <laughs> yeah um and then we get our montage with thunder in your heart playing and him doing some bmx stuff it's pretty cool uh, and then he co- he goes back to his uh his man cave uh, this this kid has a man cave, and it's a pretty awesome fucking man cave. Yeah, uh, it's basically an underground vault, uh, and it's just decorated from wall to wall with uh, relics of the past. He collects pink flamingos. Um, he has a poster of like a beach with flamingos on it that says "Welcome to Paradise." Uh, he has a whole bunch of memorabilia from some character named Turbo. What Turbo Man? Or Turbo Man. <laughs> Turbo Man. <laughs> no, the Turbo Rider. <laughs> yeah, Turbo Rider. So there's a character that has a comic book that he's really into, and he really seems to have latched onto this character as like a hero or a or a, like a aspirational father figure of some sort. Mm. Anyway, this kid has a super awesome lair, uh, and then uh, he has this alarm system. It's set up on like a, a wire that feeds back into his vault and it starts jingling and jangling and so he goes he goes out and uh there's a little rat creature in a cage do you know what it so looks like he, and that's why i said put a pin in it it looks like the rat monkey from dead alive it's exact. I, I looked for it on the imdb i'm like it has to be the same thing because uh, it looks exactly like it, um, yeah. but I couldn't find anything. It looks anything. very, very similar to Peter Jackson's Rat Monkey uh, that was stop-motion animated uh, for the most part. But, um, yeah, it's a little puppet creature that I guess his uh, alarm was like a, a cage. It was like a trap, a I snare th- for animals. I want to go with my gut, and I want to say because this is a co-production, uh, Canada and New Zealand, and the one of the main characters in this is actually a Kiwi. Uh, I think that's a tip of the... I think that's like a... A tip of oh, the hat I th- to absolutely uh, yeah. no. I I think that's that tone that you were talking about that that horror comedy feel. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's the filmmakers point like pointing out to the audience that hey, if you're familiar with this, if you get the reference, uh, strap in because you're gonna get some stuff like that. <laughs> I, I that's I think. I wasn't dreading watching this movie, but I just wasn't really super excited. And then I saw that that Sumerian monkey rap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sumatran. Sumatran, yeah. <laughs> and as soon as I saw that, I'm like, okay, you've got me. That's that's such a neat little neat little thing to throw in there. I'm like this this yeah, should be fun. Yeah, it's a little detail that like if you get it, cool. If you don't, whatever. No. Um, but I I took it to heart as an example of them saying, hey, we've seen Peter Jackson's movies, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's, it's a New Zealand co-production, so I'm sure at least somebody in his crew worked on this movie. If you've studied I don't imagine film their New film Zealand, industry is that big. <laughs> if you studied film in New Zealand, Peter Jackson's come up. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, he grabs this rat from the cage and it like scratches him on the face. Um, it's kind of a nothing little detail, but yeah, it puts like some Wolverine scratches on his mm-hmm. face. But uh, then he like goes to, I guess, the town or the settlement nearby. I forget if it has a name. But 
Um, I think the intention was, was he trying to sell the rat? I think so. I think uh, that was supposed to be food. Yeah. So he he goes into this shady looking bar area. And uh, there's a gentleman in here, like the bartender, the barkeep, uh, who he tries to sell this uh, (laughs) this dead mutant rat to uh, in exchange for water. Oh, yeah. And a comic book, a Turbo Mm. Rider comic book. And you can tell that like the water, he's like, you know, I, I do need that to live. But he seems more interested in the comic book. And during this scene, uh, there, it has kind of like a Maz Eisley feel to it. Or Very like, much. Uh, what, what's the town from, from uh, Beyond Thunderdome? Uh, it's like Barter Town, I think. Mm. Uh, it, has, it definitely has a Mad Max feel to it. Yeah. Like the co- it needs to be said that the costuming and the production design of this movie uh, is cheap, for sure. Yeah. But it actually lends a charm to it. And... Uh, the costuming definitely had some love put into it and there's one character in here who shows up later in the movie as an as a minor antagonist um that the costume for them made me kind of like do a double take because mm-hmm. uh, there's a manga and an anime called a uh, sunabozu uh, desert punk basically uh, that's the english title of the series mm. uh, if you look that up um the character design <laughs> is eerily similar <laughs> Um, it's the it's the character with the the straw brimmed cap and the gas mask. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, they don't do anything here. They just kind of like bump shoulders with him and uh, give each other dirty looks. But um, in the background, though, there is a arm wrestling match going on between Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom guy. <laughs> yeah, no joke. <laughs> like, that's what he looks like. Because like, the one oh, dude. Yeah, no, no joke. The Kiwi, the guy in here, um, the guy from New Zealand, he. He's dressed like Indiana Jones, like, on the nose. Actually, he looks more like the guy... Was it, uh... He's like, you lost today, kid, but you don't have to like it. Uh, oh, the the guy who, uh... Who Indiana Jones basically borrowed his shtick from. Yeah. <laughs> uh, from, um, from Last Crusade. And he's having an arm wrestling match with this guy who looked like the guy from Temple of Doom who heart rips people. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that he was on... like He looked like Molaram. Because <laughs> he don't... had, like, the bone, bone head dress and stuff. Yeah, I don't think that was on accident either. No, I don't think so. And the way they do their arm wrestling, though, is there's a, a branding iron uh, placed on, I think, either side of their forearms. So the loser gets branded, basically. And uh, Cowboy Indiana Jones man uh, <laughs> uh, defeats uh, Molaram. And uh, at first it looks like Molaram's going to throw down with him and try to kill him. But uh, just with the sheer power of his badassness... Uh, cowboy Kiwi man uh, manages to talk him down and they end up being buddy buddy yeah and I think this is where uh, the kid bumps into Cowboy Kiwi yeah he does um, on his way out there's a there's a really goofy exchange here so the way Cowboy Kiwi is uh, presented to us and this guy's like 6'4 6'5 he towers over almost everyone in this movie um He's presented to us as like the supreme badass, um, in every sense. Yeah. Like he's he is all that is man. Uh, so like there's an air of reverence around him. Like everybody kind of like defers to him when it comes to decision making and stuff like that. Uh, so on the way out of the bar or whatever, uh, the kid like bumps into him, and we get this goofy exchange where Cowboy Kiwi is like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" Personal bubble. <laughs> yeah, I do like the personal bubble. That's pretty funny. Yeah, um, and he he like 
explains to him the concept of a personal bubble how it's like keep within arm's distance yeah. otherwise it's like uncomfortable it's like, what he like he says like anything within arm's distance is like only for like ladies and family or whatever. yeah yeah <laughs> it's just it's just worded really strangely and i thought they were building up to a theme here where it'd be like um he and the kid would share some sort of relationship in that like both of them learned everything they know about the world through like comic books and and relics of the past so like what i the the story i imagined for cowboy kiwi was that um all of his isms like all of his words of wisdom and stuff came from like those stingers at the end of gi joe episodes (laughs) it's like like all the like all this like insight and wisdom he supposedly has just comes from like watching 80s cartoons that would, that would be an interesting twist on it that'd I thought, be I, fun. that's what i was writing in my head it didn't come to pass but i i thought it would have been hilarious um so he he ends up getting captured by zeus's people if i'm not mistaken yeah so what happens is a uh, cowboy kiwi um after the personal bubble exchange um one of his boys rolls up on him and this is where it starts to become evident that uh the vehicle of choice in this world are bicycles. Yes. <laughs> um, everybody rides bikes. So it's not like Mad Max where gasoline is in, is like a precious resource and we still have cars. It seems like cars just don't work anymore. No. So ev- every time you see anyone rolling out you know, to do whatever in this movie, they're riding a bike. And it never stops being funny. Yeah. <laughs> to me, it just funny. made me chuckle to see... like cowboy kiwi this big badass cowboy man riding like a little little bike <laughs> um, um so yeah one of his boys rolls up on him and he says oh hey they um the bad guys got your brother and he's like son of a bitch yeah <laughs> and they ride off together on their bikes <laughs> and then i think we cut to uh our introduction our introduction of zeus i think uh, we meet do we by- meet Han- i think we meet hannah first before we meet zeus hannah the 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 girl apple oh hannah oh i'm sorry um <laughs> her name's apple <laughs> i'll tell you why I, I thought i thought hannah after this i can't do I you can't know say. a hannah who, I, who is like an apple i knew a girl named hannah apple <laughs> That's oh why. okay her her name is apple. yeah go ahead yeah apple um i'm not sure who gets introduced first i think in my notes i have uh okay let's let's introduce apple yeah <laughs> she's less fun to talk about than uh than zeus in my opinion uh so um turbo kid is hanging out on a swing set reading his comic book and um it's kind of like on the outskirts of the town kind of near where he where his uh his bunker is basically and he's just kind of sitting there and then a girl just pops up on the swing next to him and she's got crazy eyes um they're just glued open and she's really smiley and really nice and uh he's kind of reluctant like like if you would be in this kind of uh, landscape you're like someone's about to hit me over the head because i've never seen you before and i have a feeling you're the last thing i'm gonna see uh Mm. but she she wants to go hang out with him basically so she goes to tell she goes behind the corner to say goodbye to somebody else and come to find out that the person she's saying goodbye to is a dead person <laughs> so <laughs> he's just red flags all over the place he's like 
I don't know about this chick. Uh, but yeah, I think he's he storms back off to his bunker because he's freaked out by her. Yeah, and it it's evident that uh oh this, I'm sorry kid the uh, the wrist thing that's important the yeah um so when she rolls up on him uh she asks him do you want to be friends yeah and he's kind of caught off guard I don't even think he gives a valid response he's just like duh and she has one of those uh, slap <laughs> like like swatch watch things yeah that uh, it, it the prop's very cheap looking but it basically it, it's a, a blue doohickey that she slaps onto his wrist and has a light bulb on it. It's just kind of blinking. And uh, he takes off running. Um, it's funny, actually. When I was writing notes as I was watching this movie, and whenever we do these catching up on cinema episodes, uh, I make it a point to not read up on them beforehand. Mm. Sometimes I'll do that after. Um, in this case, I did. Uh, but while I was watching it... Um, I wrote, Apple comes across as dot, 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 very Canadian. <laughs> and I didn't know this was a Canadian film ahead of time. But just her demeanor, I was like, she seems a little Quebecois. Quebecois. <laughs> it's funny. I was actually, um, my favorite beer in the whole wide world is La Fin du Monde, which is a, uh, from the Unibrow. It's not pronounced like that. It's some French pr- pronunciation. It's a, it's a brewery from uh quebec um it's my favorite beer and i usually drink it when i watch these movies because it's just the right amount of alcohol and the right amount of beer that i can still focus on what i'm doing and take notes but it's a quebec beer and i looked up the production i'm like huh well how about that it's a (laughs) funny and i actually her her demeanor is like super perky and and just like overly friendly and it just came across as very canadian to me (laughs) yeah um so yeah, he's wearing this little wristwatch, and he goes back to his little bunker, and then uh, she shows up. She's just like, oh yeah, I was able to track you because of the watch. There's some kind of tracking device in the watch. Um, yeah, I like, can I take it off? And she's like, no. <laughs> like, you can't do that. Um, so yeah, we're, we're introduced to her. I'm not sure, nothing, not, not too much happens right here. Um, um, then I th- it's important to note that she, like, she has like a childlike wonder quality yes. to her. Like, she's like like Kyle mentioned, her her eyes are just like stapled open. Like she's bright eyed and just like bushy tailed twenty four seven. Just and as she's touring his lair, she's like messing with stuff. And she's mm-hmm. picking it up and like turning things upside down and like uh, you can tell it's agitating him. And it becomes evident that uh, he's probably been alone for a long time. Yes. And you can tell he's not used to accommodating guests, let alone people who are messing with his stuff. And it's um, he's definitely uneasy around her, but at the same time, he's not like screaming at her to get out. He's probably very intimidated by her because he's in the developing years and he hasn't probably had a lot of social interaction with people his age in, in a healthy in a healthy yeah. environment. So I would say like this is going to be probably pretty awkward because this is an awkward phase. And she's a very cute girl. Like she's definitely right up his alley. Um, yeah. So he's probably like he really doesn't know what to do with this like she's like really nice and like i didn't get hit over the head yet so like she, she just <laughs> well, like, i'm i'm sure there's that element of him waiting for the other shoe to drop yeah in this world it's very clear i mean they arm wrestle with fucking branding irons <laughs> i mean they seem um, to be in a fairly safe area but 
at it, it, it feels kind of like the water world like that's where i was kind of it's kind of mixed with water world because in mad max nobody's safe at all at least in water world there's a little bit of a camaraderie like you can see that they're trying to work together and i get more of that sense from this place yeah uh but it's still the apocalypse and resources are scarce and yeah. it stand it stands to reason that he'd be a little cautious about mm-hmm. overly friendly people um so yeah do you want to introduce zeus uh, yeah, uh, so sometime around here is when uh, we are introduced to Zeus, the antagonist of the film, uh, played by my boy, Michael Ironside, the <laughs> angriest Canadian on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I really love Michael Ironside. He's... I thought it was um, uh, Brendan Gleeson, uh, yeah, Brendan Gleeson <laughs> from the cover, because uh, he looks like Mad-Eye oh. Moody, because of how, like... Uh, Michael Ironside's he's gotten he's older and he's a little fatter so yeah, he, he's, he's he's put on some weight Kyle it happens oh no I'm not I'm, I'm just saying like he just it didn't look like him it looked like Brendan Gleeson um on the front cover so that's who I was expecting so when he shows up I'm like oh shit that's Michael Ironside I didn't even realize he was in this movie so of course um, I perked um, up as well no if you're not familiar with Michael Ironside um He's he's been a very prolific voice actor in the past few years. He played Sam that. Fisher in the uh, Splinter Cell games. He played Darkseid in the DC animated universe. That was how a lot of kids were introduced to him. But he was in a lot of '80s movies, uh, mostly as antagonists. Um, uh, <laughs> Richter uh, from Total Recall. He and, uh, is uh, George Clooney's boss in one of my favorite movies. Uh, uh, a perfect storm. <laughs> I don't know uh, why. I, yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, you need small to catch wolf, fish, but I really enjoyed him in uh, Top Gun as a what was it? Joker, Jester. Yeah, he was Jester. Um, he he plays a good hard ass. <laughs> he plays a really good hard ass. Anyway, enough gushing. Yeah. Um, so we're introduced to Zeus, and uh, as we had mentioned earlier, Cowboy Kiwi, uh, his brother has been abducted by the bad guys, and. Uh, Zeus has some sort of like swimming pool arena. It uh, looks very similar to the the arrangement in uh, the Jet Li movie Unleashed or uh, Danny the Dog if you're from overseas. Um, there's a swimming pool fight in that movie. <laughs> no. Um, anyway, uh, the the brother in this movie. Um, I actually wrote a note here. Uh, Sam Worthington? Question <laughs> mark. I thought it was him for a second. Yeah, I didn't. Um, I didn't. I didn't really take much notice of him because I knew he wasn't going to make it much longer. Um, yeah, it's just some burly-looking guy with a greasy mullet. Yeah. <laughs> um, and anyway, Zeus has a, a big speech. Uh, you can tell that he is a faction leader of some sort. Like he's yes. got he's got some soldiers under him. Yeah. And uh, apparently, this this gentleman, Cowboy Kiwi's brother, uh, just finished fighting some dudes and did well, but is pretty much on his last legs at this point. And if I remember right, he gets his head smashed in with a sledgehammer. I do believe uh, made so. Made of a cinder block. <laughs> um, well, this is this is always fun in movies. We kind of tease the violence a little bit. Um, at the beginning, you see the heads on the pikes, which is pretty good. You're like, okay, this is the kind of movie we're talking about. Um, and here, I think the, the death is off screen. Like, we don't see it, but we kind of see some of the blood. So you don't yeah. really know what you're in for yet. Because um, there's much more <laughs> violence in this movie. Um, um this is also when we're introduced to Skullman, I think. Um, yes, Skullman the, uh, the, is a big part of this movie. 
the Wes of the movie, if you if you get the reference, uh, Wes Wes being uh, Vernon Wells from The Road Warrior. Okay. Um, minus had... homoeroticism. Is he the? He's the. Is he the dude with the mohawk? Like the. Yes. Yeah, he is. Um, he's an Australian actor. He is in um, yeah. a really fun Cheech Marin movie from the '80s called Shrimp on the Barbie. It's a. It was an Australian production, and Cheech Marin. Um, it's a really funny movie, but it's one of those like I need you to act like my new fiance or my new boyfriend so that my parents will accept my older boyfriend and the older boyfriend is him and he, oh. it's a it's a lot of fun it's a fun movie uh, i think it probably holds up i haven't seen it in a long time but it's funny last time i saw him i think was uh he was in one of the power rangers shows no shit <laughs> oh he was yeah, in weird no science shit. also playing i think his exact same character from the road warrior gotcha um yeah. It was like a uh, gag. We'll, we'll be calling this character Skull Man because I don't think he has a name, but he has a very distinctive look. And as I said, he's basically the right hand man uh, to the to the villain of the movie. Zoom. He's he's not that menacing, which is the thing. Like, I I don't I didn't find him that menacing. I know he's supposed to be, but the his mask just made him seem more comedic to me. I don't know. I don't know about you, but um yeah. Well, I don't think there is an element of menace to this movie. Yeah. It's, it's it's very I think it's important to note that the protagonists of the story are basically supposed to be teenagers and it, it has that cutesy kind of feel to it at times even though it's intensely violent <laughs> um I was trying to figure yeah, out how old this guy was uh the kid the no the skull the skull face guy um I'm uh, like is he he look he carries himself like a young guy but when he spoiler alert eventually gets his and you get close to him I'm like I think he was like well into his 30s like he was a much um, older guy he had a pretty thick beard stubble going on under that mask um, yeah so he was very much a man he was a man <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah so we don't know what why he, he kills the brother and they throw him into this big meat grinder and we're not really we don't really know what it is we just know it's like a big grinder um yeah. and i think this is where he has the kiwi, and I think his his hand's been cut off at this point. They had uh, had not yet, not not quite yet. Okay. Um. So. Shortly after this, um, cowboy kiwi is hanging out with his dudes, and they're looking for his brother, who they don't know is dead. Yes. And uh, <laughs> uh cowboy kiwi uh, steps off to have a piss. And uh, one of his cohorts just, like, stands next to him and starts peeing. And you can tell the personal bubble thing. Like, the spiel yeah. is about to bubble up to the surface again. He's like, yeah. I have something to say about what you're doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then uh, from behind, Skullman and a couple of other baddies roll up on them and uh, do a number on Cowboy Kiwi's team and then abduct him. Yes. Uh, so apparently Zeus doesn't like Cowboy Kiwi. Um, and then this is, I think, when we cut back to the kid yeah. and Apple, and uh, he's decided to keep her around. Like, I, I think he just doesn't have it in him to tell her off. Well, he's wanting to like drive off. Like, he's wanting to take his bike away, and she's like, "Can I come with you?" He's like, "I don't have any way for you to come." And she looks down into his bag, and she sees the two pegs that you put on the back of bikes, and she just like looks at him, and like she knows what that means, like. I can ride on the back. So he's yeah. reluctant. He's like, fuck, I got to take her with me. 
Yeah. Um, speaking of, uh, can I come with you? Have you ever seen Screamers? No, I have not. I might ask you to watch that at some point. Okay. That's another post-apocalyptic sci-fi movie. Um, okay. Peter Weller. I like him. Uh, but yeah, Can I Come With You uh, always brings to mind that movie. And I happen to like it. Um, All right. I'll write it down. But yeah, uh, when they're uh, riding along, she's like hugging him from behind. And you can tell he's got some mixed feelings about that. Uh, probably has to hide a boner or something. Yeah, there's <laughs> but, a little bit of boner hiding happening, I believe. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but yeah, uh, as they're adventuring together, he starts rattling off um, rule, rules of the wasteland. And again, I don't know if he came up with these rules or if the Turbo Rider comic had them or something, but I actually wrote them down. Uh, rule one is always have water. Um, always have your wheels handy. Uh, stay in the safe zone, at which point he pulls out his little crayon map yeah. to show her, stay outside the zone. <laughs> and I like how the map is completely oriented from his perspective. So if any if anyone picked up this map besides him, they would have no fucking clue yeah, they'd where have anything's no idea. oriented in relation to whatever. Um, I don't remember exactly how he phrased it, but he says avoid evil people. <laughs> um, no hugging, no hugging while riding. Always carry a weapon, and if you don't have one, make one. And this is when he makes her a weapon with yes. duct tape, which yes. duct tape plays a very big role in this movie. <laughs> um. I just remember that, like they they really missed an opportunity to get a song uh, in here by Kiss. Um, oh, uh, God of Thunder. It's I think it's sang by Gene Simmons. <laughs> Are you familiar with that one? Uh, not that one in particular. No. Um, no. I'm gonna have to look it up after though. But he mentions I am Lord of the Wasteland. I'm like, ooh, that was a little bit good. Of this would have been kind of a cool cool song for one of these post-apocalyptic uh, movies. Uh, nobody's oh. taking it taking. Uh, advantage of it but also i think that it probably costs a billion dollars to license one of kiss's songs uh cause oh I... i'm sure they're quite litigious yes <laughs> that's what i've heard um yeah mm. um but yeah they uh they make a weapon for apple and it's i think a baseball bat with a garden gnome attached like duct tape to yes, the end of it yes to the fat it end of it and uh, Gigs, she, yes. she like is over the moon about this like she is so pleased to have her her gnome stick as she calls it yeah and Doesn't, she takes so it, a few practice swings, and uh, <laughs> she's just ecstatic. And he's like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Um, somebody asked at one point, like, is that a leprechaun on there or something? <laughs> they ask, what is that? Uh, um. So the kid and Apple are adventuring together. <clears throat> and then out of nowhere, someone abducts her. Like, just someone snatches her. And the kid chases after him, and they're on a bike, and they have a little bike chase. And this is actually a weird part of the movie because i thought it was going to turn into like some dream dream sequence bullshit or something Mm -hmm. um like layered reality or something so like he's chasing after um and it's actually the sunabozu the the guy with the straw cap and the gas mask from Mm -hmm. the bar earlier um they're involved in the abduction and uh the kid chases after him and falls into a hole just in the middle of the ground it's like a trap door and uh things start to happen very quickly here where it's like it felt like a dream or something like he falls and hits his head or something um but yeah he uh he falls and he wakes up inside of a spaceship uh with one of those plasma globes that it's that mm. purple electrical ball that if you touch it like the yeah the streams of electricity gravitate to your fingertips uh fun use of a prop very uh very 80s sci-fi because it's very clearly just a plasma globe but they you're supposed to use your imagination. 
Uh, so by touching this globe, it like turns on all the lights inside the ship, and uh, there's a repeating video message on a very early 80s television monitor embedded in the cockpit of the ship that's like repeating a message to the turbo rider uh, who is like mummified in the cockpit of the ship uh, so apparently turbo rider is a real person <laughs> yes because he finds his gear he finds the turbo yeah. rider gear first yeah yeah and it, it's confirmed that turbo rider these comics were based on a real person so if i remember right um, we get a couple of excerpts from the comics um just like reading them over the shoulder of the kid like mm -hmm. as he's reading them aloud to himself yeah and funny little note like right before apple sneaks up on him uh, the panel he's looking at in the comic is actually torn so he's like not sure what it was turbo rider said at that moment mm. and you, you can tell it irritates him but um from what i gleaned from uh the couple instances we, we got of, of uh, information regarding the comics was a uh, Turbo Rider was fighting robots. There was some sort of robot army that Turbo Rider was uh, enlisted to do battle with. Mm -hmm. um, so in this spaceship, tur the kid finds the Turbo Turbo Rider, the Turbo Man uh, uniform, yeah. and just puts it on. Uh, it has some sort of wrist blaster, just yeah. like the character in the comic, and uh, he, he comes out of the ground... And uh, kind of randomly, uh, Sunabozu rolls up on him again, and uh, they have a like a, a bit of a showdown, and Sunabozu has like a rocket fist on a chain, just because. <laughs> yeah. And the kid just instinctively uh, points the the wrist blaster at him, and blows the holy hell out of him. I mean, he goes. <laughs> he into turns him into pieces. red mist. Yeah, he Did turns him into chunky salsa <laughs> do you remember in tropic thunder when he when steve coogan takes them all up into the mountains and he takes all their phones away and he's just like all right now let's go make a movie and he turns around and he steps on that mine and he just goes just into oh, yeah. pieces. <laughs> yeah no i remember <laughs> that's pretty much yeah, what it's happens right up there with that uh and i really love the way they did the the wrist blaster effects in this movie because mm -hmm. I don't know. It may have been CGI, uh, but I think it was just heavily doctored um, rotoscoping. Like I think it may have been actual like hand-drawn animation. Oh, okay. Because it it looks like it, but it you know it's doctored with modern technology. Yeah. Um, but it has a beautiful look to it that I really liked, and uh, we get the uh, the poster moment where right after he blows up Tsunabozu, he just like kind of does a fist pump into the air, <laughs> and we get a like a Voltron. Bling! <laughs> and the sound effect is like straight out of like Voltron or, or like He Man or something. Uh, yeah, it's pretty so, great. <laughs> I think he's going to go save her. She's been captured, but he's going to yes. go save her. Um, yes, he's going to go save her. And so he rolls up on Zeus's fortress, which, uh, if I'm going to be 100% honest, uh, the composite shot uh, that kind of reminded me of, uh, again, He Man, actually, whenever they would show like Castle Grayskull or like. Same with, like, uh, Thundercats. Whenever they'd show Mum-Ra's lair, there would always mm. be this... Or uh, uh, the Super Friends, whenever they'd show, like, Lex Luthor's lair in the swamp. They had this, like, stock shot that they'd keep going to of, like, an exterior, like, an establishing shot. Mm -hmm. um, they kept doing that with Zeus's lair. And if I'm going to be 100% honest, the compositing on that shot is probably the worst in the whole movie. <laughs> and it was a little annoying that they kept cutting back to it. Because <laughs> the compositing is actually very good in this movie. Except that one shot. Just that one. And it shows up like three or four times. Um, so 
before before they got to the pool, um, Michael Ironside ends up having um, the um, Kiwi Cowboy do an arm wrestling thing over a blender. Um, but instead of doing that, he pulls the guy he's arm wrestling into the blender onto his eye, and he tries to escape, but he ends up losing his hand. Um, so he's in the pool, empty pool, with uh, Apple, and I think the Turbo Kid tries to actually use his weapon right away. Like, he somehow gets into the pool, like maybe he gets knocked out and thrown into the pool, I'm not entirely sure how he gets in there, but he thinks he's got this awesome weapon, and he's like, you're not going to do shit, and he tries to shoot it at him, well... <laughs> Michael Ironside uh, shows them how his little machine works. There's a, the, 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 the meat grinder, basically. Well, what yeah. he does is he throws an entire body into the meat grinder, and through some kind of science and magic, it produces water. And I think one body gives you, like, a shot of water, or was that just from the hand that he was able to get the water? Uh- I think it's I think it's like a substantial amount. I guess it's not just that. That would be horrific. <laughs> yeah. Like if it um, takes a whole body to get like one shot of water. Um, so basically, um, if you've ever seen Tank Girl, uh, it's the same concept, just grittier. Gotcha. Um, um, Malcolm McDowell. Malcolm McDowell has a machine in Tank Girl that uh, takes all the fluids out of people's bodies and turns them into water. This I had one a pretty, grinds them. <laughs> I had a pretty good pretty good laugh at that. Um, but uh, I had a pretty good laugh at his line. Um, Let the juicing begin. <laughs> the juicing begin. Yes, there's some. I had some legit laughs in this. That was definitely one of them. <laughs> Let I the juicing that. begin. Let the juicing begin. Delivered with his voice. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> Only by him. That's why it works. Um, yeah. Also, uh, blades and fire. <laughs> um, there's something interesting that Michael Ironside does in this movie. His character has a cane, which is a, a golf a golf club. And yes. I made a joke, Michael Ironside using a nine iron at his side for a cane. Because uh, he's using just like a wedge, some kind of uh, iron club as his cane. Um, I just thought, yeah, Ironside. Uh... <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> that's especially cute. Um, that's fine, actually. My note here says, uh, I love that Ironside has a golf club instead of a scepter or a riding crop. And then immediately below that, what do you know? The golf club came in handy. <laughs> like, yeah. the golf club's important to the story. I was like um, kind of surprised that it's a small prop. It's something that not everybody would notice, but huh, it actually has significance to the story. Um, so after this is uh, when like the gore element of this movie, the yeah. dead alive stuff starts to enter into the picture. Um, so we have a, a showdown in the pool, and it's a uh, what? Turbo Kid, Apple, Cowboy Kiwi, one one-handed uh, Cowboy Kiwi, and some random guy. Who uh, has a pretty satisfying death? Yeah, uh, he uh, uh, Cowboy Kiwi directs traffic here. He gets everyone in a in a power huddle. He's like, okay, like I'll I'll take the big fucker. You take the little fucker. <laughs> like, he explains basically. why too. It's funny. <laughs> and uh, the extra guy that he's basically in Star Trek parlance, the uh, the red shirt of the group. Um, he he like makes a run straight at one of the bad guys and trips and drives a knife like into his own eye. I think. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty great. Um, it's important to note the uh, costuming of uh, these these uh, pool gladiators. Uh, we have one guy wearing a hockey mask, Jason Voorhees. Uh, we have another guy wearing a bag on his head, Jason Voorhees. Um, plus he has a 
butcher's apron, uh, Leatherface. <laughs> um, there's a lot of like small visual references here that are pretty great. Well, I actually named um, the the main side bad guy, the one with the the mask. I nicknamed him Jason Dickies because he's just a dick, <laughs> and he's kind of like a, a Jason Voorhees. Yeah, he is kind of a dick. Yeah. Um, I called him Skull Man. Oh yeah. Also, one of the guys in the pool has a glaive, so it's and even the way it's shot is basically like the Kroll glaive. If you've ever seen that, Mm-mm. that's basically a throwing a giant throwing star that. Can, it's like a boomerang at the same time um but yeah uh we got some juicy kills in this oh in yeah this sequence like very very creative gore um definitely brings to mind like dead alive um mm-hmm. i really loved when the guys the top of the guy's head spun around mm-hmm. it gets like slashed across the eyes Oof, and then tasty yeah. stuff. it was it was really good i actually wrote down like the the pool scene is great um it's a lot yeah. of fun he ends up realizing that his uh turbo kid realizes that his turbo blaster is not it, it has to charge so when he tries to like i'm gonna bust this all out of here it doesn't work um but then he finally gets it to work and he just like i said just obliterates one of these people and the the skull skull mask guy his look like he just like he's like a quick like holy shit he doesn't say anything (laughs) but and like they're all just like what the fuck um but i think he tries to shoot again and it doesn't work or something but michael ironside ends up it has a charge on it yeah uh he ends up shooting apple um and it looks like it's a pretty pretty critical shot um so you're like shit he shot her um but i think she's able to like get out of there with them and like even the kiwis is like you guys might want to get the fuck out of the, out of here like we should probably go um yeah um they blow up the grinder that's how they escape mm-hmm. as the grinder explodes and during all the chaos cowboy kiwi like opens the gate that leads to a staircase out of the pool and they all go their separate ways uh so yeah so after this uh yeah they go their separate ways and i don't know where we go from here um, um this is when we get a, a ticking clock um so Cowboy Kiwi just kind of leaves the story for now. Yeah. Um, however, Turbo Kid and Apple take off, and uh, when they're walking along, she uh, has like a seizure of sorts. Like she shuts down for a moment. Um, uh, by the way, this is when we learn she's a robot. A cyborg. <laughs> she's a fucking um, cyborg. So she, she got, yeah, she got shot square in the chest. Yeah. And uh, when... When a Turbo Kid finally comes to his senses and realizes, huh, this woman with a hole in her chest is talking and walking just fine, um, he examines the bullet hole in her, and there's, like, circuits in there and stuff, and, like, blue blood or something. And he's like, oh, shit, you're a robot. And you can tell that he's a little uneasy about that, yeah. especially since he spends a lot of time reading comic books about a hero who fought robots. <laughs> um and yeah, uh, a little later, that's when she has her shutdown moment, and it's revealed that she has uh, these little 8-bit Zelda hearts yeah. on, her, on the inside of her forearm uh, that represent like her, uh, her power level, and it's draining, uh, most likely as a result of having been shot. And she tells him that uh, if I run out of hearts, I shut down forever. And he's like, you mean die? She's like, yeah, pretty much, and you can tell... Even though she's super perky all the time, the concept of being shut down forever does, in fact, resonate with her. Yeah. <laughs> like, she does understand what it means to no longer be alive. Uh, so that sets them on a, uh, like, it sets them out on an adventure to find a new, like, power source for her. Because she knows what they need, but he, they don't know how to find it. 
Uh, so if I remember right, uh, Turbo Kid goes to track down the, uh, the bartender that he sold the rat to uh, early in the movie, uh, the person he exchanged the rat for water. Um, and he finds him on the road with a wagon full of shit. He's leaving uh, town. As, so, yeah, he is skipping town because apparently Zeus was not happy that some of his guys got killed and his, his uh, meat grinder machine got blowed up. Uh, so he's on the warpath looking for the kid and apple and cowboy kiwi and a uh, turbo kid at uh, at first the the trader guy doesn't want to deal with him like he's like you, zeus is gonna kill me if i if i so much as talk to you yeah um but you can tell from like all the shit in his wagon that he's a bit of a hoarder uh he likes his shinies and uh apple gives him her uh her headband her yes very uh her very uh, 80s aerobics <laughs> felt like the, it reminded me of the labyrinth a little bit like she gets hoggle to uh help take her to the goblin city and mm-hmm. she gets him with like a little bracelet uh, yeah very much so and uh he in exchange for the the headband with some sparklies on it uh he points them in the direction uh to a robot cemetery and he he like whispers this to turbo kid because he's i don't know sensitive enough to know that maybe the robot girl doesn't want to hear that yeah uh, and yeah, they take off to go there, and if I remember right, um, yeah, uh, this is when they have their uh, their their night together. Uh, they find a shelter that's near the robot cemetery, mm-hmm. and uh, her hearts are running really low, and they have a, a sweet little interaction here. Um, they're burning VHS tapes to stay warm, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> and in the background there's a bunch of like burned out uh, arcade cabinets. And uh, they get very close to making out here, um, but she barfs uh, not spaghettios, but like dinosaur spaghettios on him. <laughs> well, yeah, because she eats something, and he's yeah. like, "But you're a cyborg." She's like, "Well, I've been programmed to be, uh, to look like you and even like eat, so it makes you more comfortable." And I think that's a line from, um, oh man, I want to say it's from like Alien or something. I think See, I haven't I haven't seen it since it was like on TBS or like UPN when I was a little kid. But there was this movie called Cherry Two Thousand. It's about like a a love android. Mm-hmm. It's like a, a lady robot that you can you can buy, and it has that post apocalyptic vibe to it. Um, I feel like a lot of her arc, if I remember right, feels kind of similar to that. Um, but I yeah, think- I, she's programmed to be a friend. Like, if I remember yeah. right, that's what she's. Her yeah, she is. is a friendly droid because someone even mentions it later that she's a friendly. Um, yeah, she's sm- a companion, basically. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, she barfs on him <laughs> right before he makes out with her, and then uh, she changes the subject, or he does, and uh, they start talking about fighting. He was like, "Yeah, you really know how to handle your gnome stick." And she's like, I do. And you're like, you want me to teach you how? Well, yeah. And so they, they step away from the fire. And uh, I, if I remember right, there's a Karate Kid quote in here. Um, was it strike first, strike hard, show no mercy? Something uh, like the that. From the Cobra Kai. <laughs> yeah, she tells him that. That's her words of wisdom. That makes sense. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, she, uh, what, she does the, the balls, the throat, and the eyes, I think? Something like that. Yeah, she shows him some... Sp- like rudimentary uh 
self-defense technique. So she kicks him in the balls, like jabs him in the throat, and pokes him in the eyes. I'm, I get I get hazy through this section. I, I kind of only remember picking up where she gets where they have the the showdown after they kill they kill the guy on the with the the wagon like the guy leaving town. Oh yeah, there's a there's a couple of scenes interspersed here. So it needs to be said that. Um, um, interspersed throughout the movie, maybe three different instances. Pretty much any time the kid is unconscious, there's a recurring dream um, that's revealed to us in snippets. Uh, it's him as a child with his family, and some bad people roll up on him. Mm-hmm. I think by this point in the film, we've cut back to it twice, and we still don't have an idea of why this is important, but we keep cutting back to it. So put a pin in that, I guess. Um, but yeah, the 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 bartender guy gets it real bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, you want to go into what happens to him? Um, I mean, I was gonna, I was gonna keep moving forward. I was just gonna mention okay. him. Past <laughs> we he, can, we can gloss over that. It's, yeah. it's a small detail. But long story short, um, gets bartender it. gets abducted by Zeus's goons. Um, the headband gives away the fact that he's had contact with them, and uh, he's not around anymore. Yeah. <laughs> he's done. Uh, he's, he, yeah, he's not coming down for breakfast. Um, we get a, we get a uh, this would made me think of uh, Stranger Things again is because like a Stephen King movie there's a rock quarry uh, that comes up in this movie um, mm. I think there's one in it too if I'm not mistaken I could be wrong um, but it's definitely it definitely comes up in Stranger Things um, a rock quarry or like a cliff that used to be a quarry because um, mm. I think that's where we kind of go to from here is I think that's where we have a little bit of a showdown with the skull mask guy and his his, his goons. Um, we have, well, there's a, a chase sequence. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this would be immediately following uh, the night they had together. Uh, when they wake up, uh, Skullman is there. So Skullman has taken the information imparted to him from the bartender and tracked them down. Uh, they have another bike chase. Mm-hmm. They're scooting along, and uh, they come to the end of the road, and there's like a toxic pit. It's just toxic fumes everywhere, and dinosaur statues for some reason. <laughs> um, and what happens is uh, Skullman, I think, decapitates Apple <laughs> with yeah. his with his buzzsaw gun. He's and, just uh, a dick. Yeah, he's such a dick, and I kind of like his physical acting. Like he has a little like head twitch he does. That's kind of yeah. neat. Like he, and he's got this frizzy hair that like jitters around, so he's kind of twitchy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he decapitates Apple, and uh, Turbo Kid is freaking out, so he jumps after the head into the toxic pit, and uh, we get this kind of. If I was a kid, this see like well, I mean, this movie isn't for kids, but no, like I could totally. This is kind of like the, uh, the, the swamp of sadness or whatever from a never ending never story. story it's yeah. kind of like that so like turbo kids like walking through this toxic environment he's like shuffling along you can tell he's like hacking and coughing and dying in here and he's got apple's head cradled it under his arm this is the all is lost moment and uh as it so happens this is like the robot graveyard the cemetery mm-hmm. or whatever um so he comes to a, bo- a pile of bodies and uh attaches her head to one of the one of the lady robot bodies and duct tapes it mm-hmm. and then passes out very shortly after um he passes out and we get the completion of that dream sequence i had mentioned um as it so happens uh michael ironside zeus 
uh, was the one who was was the looming presence in his dream. Yeah. So um, it's revealed that Michael Ironside killed the kid's parents uh, for no real reason. <laughs> um, the skull they man had, was there. They had a water source. They had a huge barrel of water. And yeah. he's like, well, where did you get this? This is my land. If you take it from my land, it's mine. Um, which led me to believe, like, that made me think they had some kind of water purification system or some kind of, uh, they knew someplace that there was fresh water. Um, but that didn't really come up. Uh, no. It just, he just happened to have a barrel of water. Um, but yeah, Michael Ironside kills them and his mom is actually the one, she has a crossbow or, or some kind yeah, of. Yeah. Uh, I actually had a note here. How the fuck did she get to the crossbow? <laughs> get she to teleports. the crossbow. <laughs> no, she's at one end of the frame. She gets punched in the face, I think, by Skullman. Yeah. And then she teleports to the other side, like behind them, with a crossbow. <laughs> yeah. And then she shoots Michael Ironside in the eye. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where we learn that he. That's how he lost his eye. He he, has, he only has one eye, by the way. <laughs> we didn't mention yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, we've neglected to mention that. Uh, yeah. Michael Ironside's character has an eye patch that looks like it's made of a sheriff's badge or something. Yeah, and he doesn't know that the kid is the kid that he let go. He basically the 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 skull face guy was gonna kill him or do something to him. He's like, nah, he won't last out there. Just let him go. So mm-hmm. we learn that he's been on his own since he was about eight. So he's been alone for about eight years. I'd say this kid's about sixteen or seventeen. Uh, which explains why he's maybe a little cagey around yeah. Apple. Um, and also that, that golf club is what uh, is ultimately used to murder his mother. Correct. Um, but yeah. So he's left... He leaves her behind uh, in the in the robot graveyard. And yeah, he, he wakes up um, in the custody of Cowboy Kiwi. Yeah. Um, who has a bicycle wagon um, <laughs> with a with a giant bomb in, in the wagon and yeah the kid wakes up and he sees cowboy kiwi just Did, like pulling him along doesn't he seem like um a new zealand version of treat williams a little bit i got like he just seems really nice and affable but like kind of kind of a dick <laughs> a little bit like he's not a mean guy he steps up when he has to but i don't know he just I think the I think the New Zealand aspect of that's important to know. Yeah. <laughs> he's, a, he's a little, he's a little hardier, a little, yeah. a little more gruff. Yeah. But yeah, he kind of has that vibe. It's like you know, if there's a lady in the room, he'll, he'll be yeah. a complete gentleman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, Watch um, the swears, boy. <laughs> so where do we go from here? I'm getting hazy because I watched this a few days ago. I my I stopped taking notes at this point because I was just into the movie. <laughs> So it, yeah, I don't um, remember. What I think I here. think this brings us right up to the final battle. All right, let's talk about the final battle. Um, first note I have here: body hats are hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have written down. Uh, I said a fucking cyborg when I when we find out that she's a robot, and then I didn't have a note until I said Jason Dickies, um, skull <laughs> skull face guy. I said yeah. his death is great. Um, it's pretty good. Um, yeah, I this so you mentioned a quarry. Mm-hmm. Um, the finale of this movie takes place in a quarry. Um, yeah. So basically, Turbo Kid and a Cowboy Kiwi roll out to this quarry, and I, I guess Zeus just knew where they were gonna be because he's just there. Yeah, and like Skullman is there too, and um, most of most of Zeus's goons show up too. So I guess it was it's kind of like uh, 
It's kind of like Green Street Hooligans that we just talked about. It's just like maybe it was prearranged that this battle would happen here. I don't know. Possibly. Um, anyway, uh, despite being horribly outnumbered, our two heroes just decide to step up and fight. Um, they, Like I said, um, Cowboy Kiwi brought a big bomb with him that uh, the kid identifies as like like some sort of turbo rider associated weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, like that theory I had about the Cowboy Kiwi having like some sort of connection to the kid through like comic books or like shared pop culture knowledge or something uh, lends a little bit of credence to that because when the kid says the name of the the weapon, Cowboy Kiwi's like, "Yeah, you know your stuff." Yeah, <laughs> so I guess it, I guess it's just known that this particular bomb is that. Um, so I guess that's their trump card in this fight. Um, and yeah, uh, one note I had for this whole big fight was uh, music during the big fight is maybe a skosh more energetic than the choreography and the editing. Um, it needs to be said that the synth music in this mo- in this movie, the synth wave music in particular, it's like it's it's a very specific genre. It has a very specific sound. Um, is ever present throughout this movie? Like there's yeah hardly a scene where it isn't pulsing in the background and this scene like the music was going nuts while the actual movements and like artistry of the of the fighting was i felt maybe not maybe not on the same energy level it's still horribly entertaining because uh it's incredibly violent <laughs> yeah it is very um, violent but but you need to view it as like a collection of uh like whimsical special effects shots rather than fighting because mm. it doesn't have the feel of a fight it's very static like the, the energy level is not really there like even cowboy kiwi doesn't really move with much purpose he just kind of stands there and people run into his fists <laughs> um by the way he has a robot fist now <laughs> uh, he yeah. replaced his hand i noticed that uh the, they didn't give you like a fist bump at one point and he's I got a so. diff- different hand on um so yes yeah, so we the final battle um Turbo Turbo Boy is basically murking these other other fellows, but he comes down to the showdown between him and uh, Zeus, and he I think he might like injure him. I think he like shoots him in the chest yeah. or something. So it's important to note here that during the fight, uh, by the way, the reference I had to body hats. Um, <laughs> more than a couple of people are torn in half during this fight. And they keep they like get stacked on top of each other like oh yes pole. <laughs> yes and it's pretty fucking hilarious yeah um I think the opening hit of this fight is the kid um paying homage to what Apple taught him and like taking out a dude's nuts uh, slitting their throat and slashing them across the eyes in rapid succession it's pretty fucking great mm. um there's a lot of good kills in this fight um. Also, the, the the lady friend of Michael Ironside... Uh, oh, I forgot about her. She's fine. Um, <laughs> quite fine. Yeah. Uh, her hair looked like Rufio from Hook. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. and, and the breastplate she had, the golden breastplate, it looked like it was stolen like from the studio uh, like off the set of Gladiator. You remember? You know what I'm talking about? I think so. Like oh, yes. Fight. Yes, yes. I know like you're the first about. one at the Coliseum. Yeah, it looked very similar to that, but... Um, she she gets some fighting moves in there, and uh, it's during her exchange with Turbo Kid that uh, Apple shows up. Uh, yes, so Apple shows up yeah. to save the day. As it so happens, uh, her head being tied onto that body worked out. And uh, another important detail is when uh, 
Turbo Kid fell into that toxic pit with Apple's head in tow. Um, he dropped his wrist blaster, the turbo blaster thing, mm-hmm. and he gave he gave no fucks about that. He was more concerned with her. Um, but when she shows up at the quarry, she brought it with her. So he puts it on, and the remainder of the bad guys get blowed the fuck up with the turbo blaster. Yeah. So she like shows up for like the turn the tide moment. Because yeah, that that uh that lady was whipping his ass. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, uh, right after this though, Michael Ironside uh, decides to enter the fray, and he has a he has a handgun. <laughs> Everybody's been fighting with melee weapons up to this point, including a like a, a hammer glaive that the kid and this other bad guy both had, except the bad guy had it modified to be like nunchucks also. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, Michael Ironside shoots him, and we get this cute moment where uh, he gets shot in the chest, uh, but it's revealed that he had a Viewmaster, like one of those old push lever uh, yeah. toys. Um, he has he had that with him all throughout the movie, and in fact, um, the way he was carrying it was like binoculars. Uh, earlier in the movie, he like had it. Uh, yeah, he did around his yeah. neck. And signif- the significance of that is that it was something given to him by his mother, and I think he had it when uh, when they were killed. Um, but yeah, uh, so. he gets shot in the chest, and it turns out the viewmaster took the bullet for him, and then he blasts Michael Ironside. <laughs> but yeah. and then there's a big but. <laughs> you want to get into the but? The, the but is that. Uh, Michael Ironside doesn't die, um, and Michael Ironside reveals his... He takes off his patch to reveal that he is a cyborg as well. Um, and he explains that he was made in, uh, by the creator in the creator's image. He's like, you're friends with this stupid little friendly cyborg. And he's like, that's not what I am. I'm a, what, I follow orders or something like that. I'm not entirely he's a, sure. He's a corporate robot. Yeah. So the idea idea is he's supposed to like hoard hoard resources i guess like control power and hoard resources Mm -hmm. which is why he's such a dick (laughs) yeah um and how does he get his uh this Um, is where they the uh the note i have here is uh, robo ironside is extraneous but if it means giving us a laser breathing ironside i'm game (laughs) yeah Uh, because that seems to be the only reason why this is in the movie is so we can have michael ironside stretching out his arms going (laughs) and shooting a laser from his mouth yeah oh yeah and having like terminator eye makeup on half his face um but yeah they have a uh a dragon ball-esque like laser battle (laughs) um he breathes his uh his mouth laser uh, turbo kid does his wrist blaster and i guess turbo kid wins and michael ironside explodes and wouldn't you know it a geyser of water comes out of the ground in the quarry as a result of the explosion yeah go figure um, yeah, go figure so yeah so it turns out that uh there's a whole bunch of water just sitting underneath there now they've now they don't have the villain anymore so people can just drink water and be happy for a while um, yeah yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much it. I don't think Apple made it though. I don't think she yeah. survives. Yeah, if I remember right, Ironside takes her out for good, um, and yeah, they have a pretty a pretty legitimately like emotionally affecting moment where mm-hmm. Turbo Kid is cradling dead dead Apple, and it's like oh Apple dead. But there's a repetition of like his mom told him that like all the stars in the sky represent dead people, 
think Dragonheart. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> it's very Dragonheart esque. Um, Sounds and his like logic it. is that uh, the the apocalypse is why the sky is so bright because all those dead, all the people that died in the apocalypse are now in the sky. Um, so I guess that's a mother's way of sugarcoating the end of the world for their child. Uh, so Apple says, you know, I'll see you up in the sky someday. And he's like, oh, bye. Bye. <laughs> Apple. Apple. <laughs> so yeah, um, that's that's pretty much the movie. Um, no no sequel setup or anything like that. I feel like this is just a one and uh, done. There, I checked the Wikipedia after I watched the movie. I guess there was plans for a sequel, but that was a couple of years ago. Um, yeah. It still could happen. I'm fine with the one yeah. and done. Oh yeah, I I don't care to see a sequel to this. Um, I'd like to see more from these people. I do, yeah, um, I agree. But I don't think I need more Turbo Kid, because um, the way the story ends is that uh, this particular community is now saved because they have a water source. Uh, Cowboy Kiwi seems like he's gonna stick around, and uh, Turbo Kid though's like, you know what? I'm gonna go check out what else is out there. Um, I took this. Uh, I took this as a result of like um, Apple told him she was from a different place mm-hmm. um, so I took that as him like wanting to see where she came from or something I, I, the um, ending I thought like he was just gonna go go save other little communities like this it's, like, a, it's, it's the ending of every Incredible Hulk episode basically just like, gotcha. and Turbo Kid rode off into the sunset uh, for another adventure and I don't I don't need to know what that adventure is no um, yeah uh I was I was very pleased with this movie. I was um, too. I'm I'm sad that I put it off as long as I did because I was the guy championing this for quite a while, and most of my friends have seen it by now. Uh, but for some reason, like I said, I have this bad habit of not getting to the movies I actually want to see. Yeah, I uh, I enjoyed this one. This was a one we both caught up on, so neither one of us really knew what to expect. Um, yeah. Um, other than trailers and and a few written reviews, I didn't know much about it. Yeah. Uh, it's on Prime so it's a, it's right now, so if you're surprise. listening if you're listening to this in time, you should uh, check it out on Prime. Um, that way you don't wait. If you get halfway through and you're like, you know what, I'm not into this, you haven't, you haven't lost any money, but uh, you, might, you might find it a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. If, you, if you like 80s aesthetic uh, and horror comedy kind of stuff, like buckets of gore that you can laugh at, uh, definitely give it a shot. Yeah. Um, all right, I think anyway, that's all I had to uh, say about that. Yeah, Uh, thanks for joining us as we uh, caught up on cinema. Yep.